Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Toyan Umesari. She's the founder and CEO of Nazaru. Toyan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. When we, we talked kind of a while ago, you kind of have a really interesting background. Um, and then, you know, that kind of really kind of transformed you into kind of what you're doing right now, which I think is really cool and, and innovative. But maybe before we kind of get into that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yes. Yeah, so... I'm originally from Nigeria in okay. West Africa, Okay. and I got my first degree in uh, mathematics and computer science um, on the continent, and then in 20, um, 2004, I arrived in Michigan to pursue my graduate program, so Master's in Information Systems okay. from Central Michigan University, and after I graduated, I went straight into corporate America. Okay, so... Before we kind of get into your your corporate America job, was there like a defining moment or or something in your childhood that kind of made you wanted to go to into mathematics and computer science? Um, I think it's just a natural flair. I actually wanted to be an architect when I was okay. much younger. Okay, and I've always had a flair for, um, you know, architecture, technology, mathematics computer science. So it was a natural progression for me. And growing up, um, I come, I'm number five of six children. And I come from, yeah, I come from an upper middle class family. And the the, the lifestyle I had and the, um, I think the the lifestyle was probably equal to um, an average American here. So yeah, my family really just um, gave us exposure and allowed us to dream big and you know reach reach for the skies and and just go pursue sure no i i think that's really great so like you mentioned you get out of university you start into corporate america walk us through kind of your journey and kind of some career highlights along the way yes so i joined whirlpool corporation in benson harbor michigan right out of grad school and basically it was in the technology space and the uniqueness of my specialty was SAP, okay. which was, uh, which is a, a German application. And I grew a career really deploying SAP globally for, um, you know, global clients and with Whirlpool, which was, you know, um, manufacturing systems, procurement system, logistics, um, finance and controlling. And then um, in 2013, I joined Walmart. I was hired in to lead their global sourcing implementation in Europe and North America. And I was with Walmart for almost five years until a couple of months ago when I resigned to do what I'm doing now. Sure. So uh, you you did some really kind of innovative stuff while you were at Walmart. Do you want maybe want to kind of give a quick overview of, of what that was? Because I, I think it was really cool and it's worth covering. 
Yes, um, I'm, I'm just, so my personality is I'm quite passionate. And whenever I take on a project, I just take it, you know, beyond the requirement. So um, for global sourcing, really it exposed me to understand how Walmart buys, what it buys globally, and how it does RFI, RFQ, auctions, um, how, how it all, the, process, the internal processes, the internal systems that are also interconnected, um, you know, in order to go through the entire supply chain, procurement, um, logistics move, movement of those goods, and also the contract, contracting aspects. And um, while at Walmart, I was featured as a leading woman in technology alongside um, the former CIO. At that time, she was the CIO of Walmart. Very cool. And I was very, yeah, I was very, very active when it came to women leadership and women in STEM and giving back and encouraging young girls to pick a STEM um, career. And so it, it was quite, I, I loved, you know, being at Walmart because it also gave me access to incredible, I mean, the best leaders in the world. Um, the company has been able to attract the best minds in the world, um, you know, even even in Bentonville, Arkansas, um, at the headquarters. So it really was, in my mind, it was an incubation for the ideas I'm now pursuing with. Okay, sure. So you, you move on from Walmart and um, you, you founded your own company. What made you decide to leave kind of corporate America and start off on yourself or on your own right i didn't know i was going to leave so the real defining um point was about three years ago um my late father passed and i i had to make an emergency trip to nigeria okay. before then i hadn't been back in over a decade wow. so it, this was a shock to my sister sure. <laughs> it was a huge shock to my sister but but Basically, when I went back, I also, because I write, I was also tasked with writing a mini biography about my dad. So I had to interview my mom and a couple of people. And once I went through that process, you know, it just really shook my, shook my world to say, wow, um, what really matters in life is not really how high you go. Because my dad did, did rise through the ranks to the highest level of his career. But it was really the impact he made on his community, on on humans. That was what really matters. That that was what his legacy was, and that was what people remembered him by. That's very cool. And it, right, and it forced me to think through my own life because at that point I was working for Fortune One, sure. right? Corporate yeah. American. I was living the American dream. So it was kind of like, I thought I was doing everything, <laughs> everything, you know, go to school, sure. get married, have, have kids, white picket fence, all of that. So I was living the dream, but <laughs> but my, my father's passing really uh, made me question what really mattered in life. And at that point, I made a commitment to give back my, to, to give, to be of use to my generation, to add value. <clears throat> I didn't know exactly how, but three years ago I made the commitment. And then the last three years, I've really just worked on that journey, um, doing research. And um, that led me to, you know, focusing on Africa and the conversation that I'm leading now. Sure. So uh, you you have a stat on, on your, your LinkedIn profile that to me was, was, really impressive that according to, like you says, according to Forbes, Africa is home to three of the 10 fastest growing economies in the world. 
and and has the fastest growing middle class. I had no idea that was the, the case. Like, I, I, so walk me through kind of what you guys do at Nazaru and kind of why you decided to start it up. Right. So over the last um, <clears throat> three years, I've actually engaged global leaders on this conversation. I'm okay. based on the food feedback and questions or interactions we, we've had, all of that is informing how I'm going about solving this. Gotcha. So, so, so basically, one of the things I discovered was people do not know sure. the commercial side of Africa. Sure. The imagery, the imagery, like if by default, everybody feels the region is a region of war, famine, and disease. Okay. That that when you mention, when you say Africa, that's the image that comes to people's mind because that's that's what that's the only stories you find in mainstream media. Gotcha. Um, and and what people have to, I think people have to question that narrative that a billion people cannot all be at war, cannot be you know fighting disease. Like Africa is home to a quarter of the number of countries in the world. Wow. Like people have to, there are some things we, will, we we want to put out there that would force people to take a, a different approach to their view on Africa. Sure. It's a, it's a quarter of the number of countries. However, U.S. only does 2% of its global trade with the entire continent of Africa. Wow. Interesting. So the rest, right. So the rest of the world benefits the remaining 98%. Sure. But even from that 2%, most of it is extractive resources like oil. Okay. There is really no true global trade when it comes to advanced manufacturing coming at, at the levels possible. So those are things, those are conversations we want to have. But what I found is at the, at the very, to lay a solid foundation, there's an awareness that we have to create. Gotcha. And, and, and we also, my focus is to strictly talk about commercial side of Africa because the scale is is tilted towards um, you know all the other negative press single narrative around the region and then what I tell people is imagine if all people knew about Bentonville was the poor side of Bentonville nobody would come got you okay right if if all I saw about the US was all that was wrong with the US I wouldn't be here. Sure. So, so those are some of the conversations we want to have. And we also want to tell the stories of people that are actively engaged and the innovation that is happening, this, you know, the, the partnerships that are being built. Um, China is benefiting from this. Um, Europe is aggressively, after British exit, they're aggressively forming new partnerships with the region. Um, I think on the U.S. side, we just have more work to do. Got you. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. And you're doing a big event um, right away, and I, I really want to cover that. But I, I still, you offer kind of a bunch of services at Nazaru.com. What exactly do you guys kind of provide with that company? Yes. So we have various stakeholders. Okay. So when we think about our stakeholders on the continent of Africa, not their number one need is visibility because people do not know they exist. 
People do not think of the business community on the continent, the business executives on the continent of Africa that are closing deals. So we want to showcase who they are. We also want to showcase, um, so part of what we do, we've also created a database of Africa's exporters. Because if you, if you think about what Alibaba has done for China, it's provided a digital platform where you can now find people. Before Alibaba, you had to know somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody before you could trade with China. So we are trying to actively work in creating a database so you don't have to figure out, you know, how do you navigate 54 countries on the continent? So for our stakeholders on the continent, those are the things we provide. But for the stakeholders that are here in the U.S., for businesses that want to export into the region or expand into Africa, we provide consulting services, knowledge base. I'm also working on a strategic partnership where we're going to be providing analytics, real data on the continent, on the region, to clients in, in America that really want to um, deep dive and, and understand how to play on the continent. There are 54 countries, and depending on um, on on what goods or services or the short or long term long term strategy, we, we we would make certain recommendations to our US US clients. So so one of the things I try to say is manufacturing is shifting to to Africa, especially East Africa. Sooner or later, it's going to impact. It's going to start impacting U.S. businesses. Um, whether it's, it's a reality that's going to happen, uh, we just want to help them prepare, and we feel it's the right time to develop an effective strategy towards Africa. Sure. No, I, I think that's really great. Like uh, the the business matchmaking kind of stuff, and um, the education and and the mentorship that you're you're doing for kind of. Um, women-owned businesses, I think is really interesting. So do you maybe want to kind of cover that a little bit as well? Yes, absolutely. Women, when it comes to agriculture on the continent, when it comes to trade on the on the continent, women can never be excluded. They can never be excluded from the conversation. And for every dollar that goes into the hand of a woman, the statistics is even more impactful on the continent of Africa than even in the U.S. That dollar goes directly into school, putting their children in school, putting food on the table. So impacting women and giving them the resources they, they need is very, very critical. Um, just last Friday, I was, I was given a keynote sp um, speech at um, Washington University in St. Louis, and what I what occurred to me because of the questions that were that was coming from the attendees was that nobody, like no, not many people, are actually um, mentoring or 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 feeding this ecosystem of African entrepreneurs, women in Africa. Nobody was nobody's addressing their needs. Got you. And and there's a billion <laughs> there's a billion out there that the expertise we have, all of the skills I've developed, developing global strategies and supply chain strategies for the world's largest retailer, I've, I've now found a place that desperately needs it. Interesting. Yeah, no, that I think that's really great. So walk me through your up and coming event, like Trade with Africa, businesssummit.com. How did the, the you know Trade with Africa, Business Summit kind of come to be and, and why did you decide to create it? Yes, so I speak outside of Arkansas or, sure. or when it comes to Africa. And what I, through the last three years of talking to global leaders, 
I I realized that the various stakeholders were not were not on the same page. Okay. Being um, African policy leaders, U.S. policy leaders, African business community, U.S. Co- business community, everybody was. They are not on the same page. So, for example, the policymakers on the African continent, the the, the um, politicians, over the last twenty years, because they do not understand the way the U.S. is set up, okay. they've only they've only built relationships in Washington D.C. Gotcha. So they would talk, they would talk about we want trade, we don't want aid, but the the, the only thing Washington D.C. can give you is foreign aid and favorable policies because that's the political seat of america got you so it's only rhetoric at this point because what i'm now trying to to do is point them in this direction and when i say this direction um we're hosting the event in bentonville arkansas which is the headquarters of walmart this is a a, this is a strategic global trade hub right interesting everything yes everything they need this is the place they should be building trade partnership if what they want is trade this community solves for latin america this community solves for china for india this community knows everything it takes to move goods from point a to point b when it comes to supply chain logistics everything is right here we also have tyson foods which is one of the leading uh, agricultural companies in the u.s in the world, I would even say forty billion dollars. Wow. The former CEO, yeah, the former CEO is is, um, is one of our speakers. So, on, on the African policy side, p- providing them education to say, if you're looking for trade, Washington D.C., you have to build strategic partnership with corporate America. Got you. Right. Sure. Like you could, they've been they've been going to. Washington D.C. and they've had favorable over the last twenty years. You know, Clinton, uh, Bush one, and and um, Bush two, and um, and Obama has been favorable, but at best they would keep giving the foreign aid, and foreign aid is not what what would grow their economy. So sure. this event is strategically uh, positioned that way. Also, we have over thirty speakers, and these are the most brilliant minds that are solving when it comes to technology sustainable agriculture, women empowerment, um, education, health. You know, I, I can I can give you, you know, I can tell you more about sure. a few of the speakers. Yeah, that's um, great. Yes. <laughs> so in, in, in um, coming out from Silicon Valley is who I would consider the PayPal of Africa. He runs a company called Flutterwave. Okay. He's a serial entrepreneur. His previous company, the CEO of um, Facebook, invested $24 million in wow. a Nigerian startup. He exited that to start Flutterwave and is connecting 30 African countries on digital payments. Uber's expansion in Africa is, 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 uses its platform to process payments and it processes millions of dollars wow. you know, every month. Like those are stories we want to talk about. To sure. say real innovation is happening and PESA in Kenya is leading when it comes to mobile payments in the world. Wow. Um, because because millions of people were taken from the unbound, millions of them leapfrogged, they skipped the banks and went straight to mobile money payments. So we want to highlight these types of stories um, that innovation is happening on the continent. People are not just talking about it. 
No, I, I think that's really great. So I'm curious, though, to get your take on on a couple of things. You, you mentioned the mobile payment space. Um, and I think and you kind of touched on it for a second. But I but I, I think I want to highlight a point here that I think is, is kind of a little bit off topic for a second. And we'll pull it back. But you, you mentioned something like they skipped the banks and kind of just went to kind of mobile mobile payment. Why? Why is like something that because like I, I think obviously mobile payments are happening in North America, right? Like it's happening, but it, it's mm -hmm. not getting adopted as fast as it's getting adopted in somewhere like Africa. Why do you think something or a country or continent like Africa is allowed to just kind of adopt some of this new technology a lot faster than than maybe kind of North America or other parts of the world? It's very, very easy. There are several points, but it's very simple. When, when, um, when there has been, when, it, when you have people that have been excluded, excluded from, from, from goods and services, sure, and you provide them goods and services, they're going to soak it all in because the hunger is built up. Okay. But, but if you have in the U.S. market, you, you, you like. What what would you be offering somebody that already has a bank that has mobile pay? Like, what would you be offering me that I that my bank that is over that, that is so huge that I will have to walk away from my bank? Sure. Yeah, whereas, whereas, um, for example, our keynote speaker Scott Ford, he he exports coffee. You know, twenty percent of Rwandans they're in the coffee business. And he's, he's invested over $100 million straight into the hands of the farmers. The farmer in rural Rwanda, they are being paid on their mobile phone because there are no banks. There are no banks, right? Sure. So, so with their, but their cell, cell phone penetration is, is increasing. So cell phone all of a sudden gives them access to so many things that they've been, they've been excluded from for so long. There are no banks in, in the farm. Gotcha. But they can, look, they can look at their phone and they can get a credit and say, oh, now I have money. And, and, and even in, in Kenya now, you know, the joke is if you're, if you're seeing people on the street, they're buying banana, you know, bananas, oranges, and you just see them on their phone. They're exchanging, they're paying for, for banana with their cell phone. No, that's cool, so, though. Yes, it's very, and, and even when it comes to retail, there's a lot of leapfrogging also happening things are happening when it comes to e-commerce and people, American businesses are missing this opportunity. It's going to be too late if five, ten years from now you're saying Africa, we would have already won. We would have owned the market before, before if people don't pay attention to this. Sure. No, I, I think that's, that's really great. So you've kind of covered it throughout the show so far, but I really want to kind of bring the point home. Who should kind of attend um, your, your business summit? So whoever wants to export goods and services to the continent, I mean, with all the trade um, conversation that's happening, you know, North America, Canada, China, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of conversations happening in global, global trade right now. Okay. This is, a great, this is a great opportunity for business leaders to start exploring new markets. Okay. Um, that is that is projected to grow. That is right now they don't know anything about sure. for the most part. So, 
first of all, it's it's that for those people that are already engaged, this is an opportunity to start building strategic uh, relationships with people on ground that are flying in. Um, you don't have to go there to to start making strong connections. For people that also want to um, to import okay. from the region, one of the speakers um, is um, the export promotion um, leader for one of actually the largest economy on the continent. Wow. is going to be here. This is a good time to start understanding what the landscape looks like. You know, the region. You know, the, the region produces part of probably the largest amount of cashew in the world. Oh, really? I but didn't nobody, know that. Interesting. No, but people don't give it credit because it is exported raw out of West Africa directly into Southeast Asia. Oh. It is processed there and then imported into the U.S. Interesting. So you probably be eating cashew grown in West Africa and not know it. Interesting. So, so what what the region is now asking for is people to invest in manufacturing, um, and people are doing that, but they need need it in increasing number. I can also give you another example sure. in Rwanda. Don Smith, the former CEO of Tyson Foods, went there, and the Minister of Agriculture said, "Don, what we need is a commercial feed mill, okay? Because because we're importing all the feed for our livestock." In the entire country of Rwanda, we're we're importing everything. And he built the first commercial feed mill. And guess what? After he built that, two other people have built two more because they they now see the commercial side of it. The people of Rwanda weren't asking for charity. They already had their funds that they wanted to use to buy this feed for their livestock. They were just susceptible to, to currency fluctuation. So there are some strategic things that are happening that it makes sense to start targeting an existing market that is underserved. Sure. No, that's interesting. So I'm curious, you kind of mentioned it like a few times, like um, where like aid compared to, you know, actually kind of maybe um, setting up a business or or investing. Like, like, is it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it like, like not saying aid isn't welcome in certain situations in any part of the world at, at certain points, but that's kind of just like a short-term solution where if I myself invest or, or build something like a manufacturing plant, that's like a long-term solution. Is, is that kind of a, a accurate way of putting it? So, so I'm going to kind of break some, break some bubbles here. No, no, I think it's good. That's why I asked the question. It is what, a lot of the leaders in Africa doesn't realize. Okay. For the most part, when you bundle aid, aid is 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 it's achieving two things. It's aid, but it's growing the American economy because the conditions tied to most of that package is that an American company is the one to execute those projects. Got you. Okay. Okay. So if 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 USA is I'm gonna give you fifty million dollars. Okay. It gives percentage the way i understand it a given percent it, it's going to grow export there are some things here that is, is locked into growing the export for the u.s which is fantastic right we need sure. that sure we need that but what we need something that is equally growing and giving giving uh, opportunities for african exporters sure so both countries win is that exactly. fair to say exactly yeah okay yes so, so there's some. It's quite complex. Um, I also, I mean, there's also a fresh topic that is just 
that is just, uh, I'm still processing it because I'm trying to understand what the U.S. is going to, how they want to handle this. But there's an existing policy called AGOA, um, which is Africa Growth Opportunity Act. It allows you to import certain commodity items from the from Africa into the U.S. duty-free. Um, oh, interesting. But, but on, on the continent, some of the leaders, Rwanda specifically now, they're trying to ban importation of fairly used um, clothing from the U.S. because they want to grow their own textile, right. textile manufacturing. But just this weekend, I'm seeing that the U.S. is responding and trying to retaliate that. And I'm going, why? So those are some of the conversations that is missing. Like mainstream media is not talking about it. But I'm watching and listening and saying, okay, what, what, how do we provide visibility and also help the American side to say, listen to the aspirations and the ambitions of the African, African people. Gotcha. They want to grow the economy. And China, China comes into Africa with, oh, we will help you do whatever you want to do. We will write you the check. We will build you the road. <laughs> we will do, like China comes in to the region with a different um, uh, approach. Interesting. Um, and that's why they are winning. Right. If, if you go to different parts of the region, they're the ones building the airports. It's Chinese firms building the roads. They're using, you know, on and on and on, on and on and on. But <clears throat> I feel like our stakeholders on the U.S. side, there's, there's opportunity, real opportunity for them to rethink their approach towards Africa. Interesting. So I, I know you've kind of mentioned it throughout our conversation, but is there specific kind of maybe business verticals that, maybe people don't realize they could either maybe import or export things to and from Africa that maybe we haven't heard of. Like your, your cashew example was kind of a good one. Um, some of the textile stuff you're talking about, but is there any other kind of verticals just to maybe get people thinking that are like, I had no idea that was possible either as an import or an export. Yes. One of the biggest ones and, and Arkansas is quite a leading state in that space is agriculture. So okay. while China, while China is, is heavy on infrastructure, you, the U.S. companies they have a unique opportunity to to export expertise, um, equipment, um, you know, seeds, all of these things that China is. I trust me, China is not playing in this space. <laughs> China is not helping Africa grow 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 food. Okay. <laughs> but, but but the state of Arkansas. You know, it's an agricultural state, and this event also is giving them the opportunity to start building partnerships that's very key people that are already engaged with the event. So that's something you want to capture. Sure. The other thing is supply chain, logistics, packaging, branding, all of that. What Whatever it takes to move goods or food from the farm to the shelf, Okay. all of those value chains, all key players in that value chain, Africa is open. Is open to them when it comes to packaging, move, you know, shipping. Merck is is one. They're also going to be at the, like key players are showing up to this event because volume. My goal is to increase the volume that is going that is being traded for for the benefit of both regions. I I know it's not going to happen overnight, sure. but I'm but I'm 
but I'm focused on this. I'm, 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 I'm going to focus on this for the next couple of years. So this is a conversation we all want to lean, uh, learn from. And, and also, even the diaspora, the African diaspora community, this is an opportunity for them to give back and also to learn new business opportunities that they've not even tapped into before. Sure. Um, agriculture is quite huge. Technology, when you talk about blockchain, yeah. there are people solving blockchain for, for Africa right now. Interesting. Um, because it's, it's really, it's easier. It's easier to provide that and, and, and solve real problems on the continent, I part of my job before I was part of um, you know the technology strategy team that we were looking into the future of retail, right? Sure. Five years, six years, ten years down, like, where is retail going, and then where is technology going, and which technology should we be adopting? Okay. So I did I did that for for the largest retailer, you know, right? So I'm able to do the same for Africa. Interesting. To say the future of the future of technology, how do you leapfrog into like Africa is a fantastic spot to take all, all of this. I I have VR. People are using it already for weddings. Africans are very into weddings and parties and all of that. And there are already I have VR solutions to say what's your what's your wedding in three D. <laughs> sure. No. Interesting. Okay. Cool. <laughs> No, I, no I, I think that's really great. So for people that maybe either attend the, the summit or, or maybe that can't uh, attend the summit, how could they potentially work with yourself um, to maybe, like say I'm, I'm an investor and I, I want to actually, you know, maybe import or export something. Like how would you work with me to actually make that happen? Because like, well, to be fair, I, I've never – exported or imported <laughs> anything from Africa. So how mm -hmm. would I kind of reach out to you and, and how would we work together to, to kind of make that happen? Right. I think it, it depends. For one, the easiest one is you, you want to be a passive investor. Okay. At that point, we will take it on. Okay. And we will just, we will just move along the chain we're, we're already creating. If, you, if, you, if it's more of a consulting, you want me to help you establish this, then that, that's a different different conversation because we then want to pick product lines. We want to look at the, the U.S. market like sesame seeds, cashew, um, moringa, teas, abiscus flour. We want to look at already, these are things that are already being consumed, right? Yeah. And we're saying Africa, as we, could, we could change the supply chain and, and reroute it in a cheaper way to the U.S. The other thing that um, people are also not paying attention to, the, the most recent movie, Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. That, that movie was centered around Africa, but people did not realize we missed an opportunity where there was, it increased the demand for authentic African masks, products, um, apparel, but the supply chain has not been built. People did not know where to go for those items. Interesting. So before the movie even came out, there were conversations I was having to say, there's word on the street. People are now, you know, just like Superman, right? right. Merchandise around Superman. Well, we, we failed to uh, capture that. You know, the movie now has grossed a billion dollars. Imagine if we had created um, products, authentic products, because the current product I'm seeing is actually coming from China. Right, yeah, okay. But that was a myth. So, but, but we would 
who captured us, we who captured us, we say apparel, authentic African apparel, authentic African masks, carvings. These are all things that already exist today that goes into Europe and other parts of the world, but not U.S. Interesting. No, I, yeah, like this is this is actually quite fascinating to me. So, is there is there anything else that you know people need to consider? Um, maybe again, kind of importing or exporting um, that maybe that we haven't talked about that that maybe is an issue that maybe they need to kind of deal with that somebody like yourself can help with. Yes, I think. People need to get a little bit more curious okay. around Africa. There are McKinsey reports, and they need to educate them. Like, we cannot, especially on this topic, we cannot uh, allow the media. <laughs> I know you're in the media, but we cannot, no, no, I wait for, agree. Right, we cannot wait for media to educate us about sure. anything. Like, business executives cannot sit back and wait for media to, to inform them about what's happening in the world. You want to go to McKinsey, Forbes. McKinsey has an extensive, extensive report about the growth projection for Africa. By, by 2050, Africa would have about a quarter of the number of population in the world, while the rest of the world, the Western world, is declining in population and is aging. Sure. Is on the rise. In 1980, there was just about half a billion people on the continent of Africa. Just under 40 years after, it is now a billion point one wow. people. Wow. It doubled. It is now projected that by 2050, that would double again to two billion. Wow. In, in, by 2050, Nigeria is projected to be the third largest populated country next to China, and India in the world. Right now, Nigeria has 170, 180 million people, which is half, about half the population of the U.S. So by 2050, the projection is that that country would surpass the U.S. in population. So there, there, are, two, there are two things. Some, some things concern me. Some things ex- excite me. The ones that, that concern me and, and also we need, we need support in that space is if you have countries that currently have food insecurity, maybe 20 to 30% of the population currently has food insecurity, if that number doubles again, it's, it's going to be a disaster, right? Sure. So we want, we want people in the agriculture space especially to please, please, please pay attention. This is not charity. These are commercial opportunities on the continent of Africa. The policy leaders, business leaders, they need support, expertise, partnership, but they want to be treated as equal, sure. so not subservient. Um, so that, that gives me concern to say, if we know the region is going to double and there are regions already with food insecurity, what are we doing to make sure we are providing affordable, sustainable food solutions in Africa. Um, what excites me is the fact that people don't think about Africa as consumers of products. Okay. Well, the laptops, the iPhones, all of that is going into Africa. There's a huge demand. Um, China is flooding the market with cheap products, but the U.S. manufacturers, they are looked to for high quality, high end, and that's the place to play. Gotcha. You don't want to play low, low price. 
you're not going to win in that space. And and one of my speakers already is connecting African consumers to over 200 UK and US websites. Because if you're in Kenya and you go to a website.com, I'm not going to mention names, sure. they're going to decline your card. They will tell you they don't ship to Kenya. But but this, this person is actually already solving and say, I will handle the logistics. I will handle the payments because, I, you know, these are, these are consumers we should be serving. So sure. um, this are, so we're also going to be building, um, you know, um, data, big data around all of this. So, so, so business leaders can, can start seeing real business relevant data, not the noise of, that we see out there, but actionable data. That, that will really help people to digest and see which of the 54 um, would help grow their, their businesses and what partnership exists. No, I, I think that's really great. And it's actually really quite fascinating to, to me, even just kind of personally about kind of everything we've kind of talked about so far. But I'm curious to know, is there is there anything that maybe people should be a little bit like weary of or, or to look out for so, you know, it nothing kind of goes sideways when they're actually looking to to either import or export. So, with every business, the same due diligence that any business executives would execute if they are doing business here in the US. Sure. Even more, even much more is required. Okay. Right? When you're doing business with a new territory that you're not familiar with. Sure. So, we cannot keep this is not a call to hey africa no <laughs> it's it's um risk in fact um one of the things we're also working on is to look at the 54 55 countries and map them on a risk reward plane where we say this country has a high risk high reward okay. high risk low reward or low risk high reward low risk, um, low reward. Gotcha. Because as leaders, we want to be presented with everything, all the information before we make a call, right? Sure. So we, we, so we are, I'm not saying, oh, Rosie, come, you know, like, you know, come to Africa. No, it's a real business environment. Just like if you're playing on, on Wall Street, sure. you have to assess your risk. You, you, have to, you have to look at where you're putting your funds, you have to do due diligence. You have to look at all the analytics, projections. You look at the trend. These are all the same business practices that we want to apply to Africa. We do not want to skip any of those uh, steps. Um, we absolutely have to um, do due diligence here. No, I, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So for, for people that are actually looking to uh, attend uh, the business summit, is there anything that they need to kind of know? Um, I, I know you have a plan your trip kind of section on, on the website, but is there anything that people need to either potentially bring or, or come with or or just kind of, is there any advice you'd have if they're going to actually come to the event? Come with an open mind. <laughs> because uh, Come with an open mind because you're going to be blown away um, with all of the information that you're going to have stored. The, the partnerships, relationships that you, you will be built. I mean, on 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 Friday when I was speaking, I actually shared the, the platform with Wali Adeoshu, 
who, who was on President Obama's advisory council on doing business with Africa. Wow. He manages he manages a fund of upward of eight hundred million dollars focused on Africa. So we have a community, even even Chris, you have people now that have been raising funds into the billions that they are just looking to to focus and solve for Africa. You know, you never know who would be in the room. Um, I used to work at Walmart. We're having this, you know, few minutes from the headquarters. Um, I'm grateful that Walmart is one of our, our sponsors for the event. So this is a big conversation. So we welcome everybody. There's really nothing special. We have we have the uh, when it comes to how to register. There's nothing special there. We have um, the speaker profile available on uh, on the event website. We have our tentative agenda already published, so people can because I, I sometimes I say this event is not for everybody. So I want people to really get their heads around sure. what topics we covered. But beyond that. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic um, networking opportunity. We have representatives like the Trade Commissioner for South Africa, the Honorary Consul for for Nigeria, Honorary, I'm sorry, the Honor um, Consul General for Nigeria, Atlanta. Um, we have it's going to be there. We have various representatives, and the reason this conversation is being led by business leaders, but we also have policymakers in the room. Because we want them to help us remove barriers to trade. Sure. Okay. So if we are saying this is what we're trying to do, but these are the barriers, we want them to take it back home to say we see the energy, we see the excitement, we see the interest, we see what people are doing, but we also want them to help us address and remove barriers going forward in order to, to keep this, this um, dialogue going. So we welcome... Um, everybody around the world. We have people coming from Kenya, um, Congo. Um, so, so this is a global event, um, and I'm just hoping that it's, it's it's the beginning of much more. It's just a couple of days, but the real work has already started, and the real work, you know, continues even after the event. This is not just a conversation. Let's talk and feel good. This is actionable dialogue, real relationships, real partnerships. Um, learning from people like Scott Ford, whose work in Rwanda has been credited for increasing the GDP of Rwanda by 1%. Wow, that's huge. It's massive. So people should check out westrockcoffee.com. You should buy that because it (laughs) it creates jobs, real jobs for the rural farmers in Rwanda. Um, So he successfully created a transparent supply chain that you can actually know where the coffee is coming from. Sure. Um, and I love what he's doing. He's going to be sharing the story of why he's doing what he's doing. Also, Dale Dawson, um, he runs. He used to be a vice president of Stevens Bank in Little Rock, Arkansas. He actually runs um, Microfinance Bank in Rwanda as well. Wow. So, <clears throat> yes. Um, so these are incredible people changing the world. And what I've done is just create a platform for us to focus, laser focus on those type of dialogues. That's great. So. We're coming to the end of the show, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about, you know, the summit, um, Nazaru, and and any other links you want to mention. Yes. Um. So for Nazaru, it's www.nazaru.com. Again, nazaru, and for the summit, it's www.trade with 
TradeWithAfricaBusinessSummit.com. Again, TradeWithAfricaBusinessSummit.com. And if, if they just Google my name, Toyin Yumesiri, there's a ton of articles, ton of information that will lead them directly to this site as well. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm super excited and I look forward to seeing as many people that can make it to Bentonville, Arkansas. Sure. Uh, that's May 10th and 11th. Just May, yes, May 10th and 11th is the event. Um, the evening of the 9th, we're having a by invitation only reception for speakers and sponsors. So we also, you know, if, if brands want to be part of this and get in front of this global audience, we welcome them. We have sponsorship packages as well. Perfect. Well, Toyin, I really appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, well, you have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.